Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. All right, guys, welcome back to the rest of the sermon. That was quick. I hit that record button real fast. We're ready to roll, man. We're here. We are three weeks into the book of Colossians, and we are into this thing. We are about an hour behind our regular recording time, but thank God for 24 hours in a day. Amen. It is 1022 a.m., but it is not that time when you are listening. So welcome back to the rest of the sermon. We are so glad that you are here. We are three weeks into the book of Colossians. We are into this thing, and this week we made it from verses, uh, what, three through eight? Yep, third week, third verse. Yeah, third week, third verse. So we're crawling through this book, but it's because we love God's Word at Westside, and you yes. can say amen while amen. you're listening to this. Really quick, I yes. think before we jump in, we've got to give the women of Westside a shout out. Yeah, man, tell us what happened last night. So the women of Westside had their launch night. They've, they've had an established ministry. It's been incredible. They've done awesome stuff, and last night they launched back into their regular gathering. Had over 70 women of Westside yes. there. They were there around tables with their Bibles open, praying together. Um, my wife came home uh, really late, but it was awesome, <laughs> and she just was full of energy, elated to yeah. just be living life, uh, to be women of the Word. Man. Yeah, man, absolutely. And so we've got incredible people at Westside. So yeah. now, Monday nights, women, if you're 16 years or older, there's a place for you. Wednesday nights, if you're a man 16 years or older, there's a place for you. Yeah. Uh, gospel community mission, That's man. That's it. Come on, man. Man, if you're hearing this and you're like, my wife didn't come home till midnight last night because she was having conversations with other women about Jesus. Yes. And you're like, hey, I want to get around the boys and hang around and talk about Jesus and learn more about Jesus and love God's word and hang out with the guys. Wednesday nights. Yep. Wednesday nights, 16 or older, and then Monday nights for the women at 630. That's going on. Super cool. Yeah, man. Thank God for that. That's good news. Amen. So the order of the Christian's life with Jesus matters. The way that Mm. we engage in our life with Christ and with one another matters. And I'm just diving right into it. That's sort of what we got into in the intro here, we see in the opening verses of the text from this week in verse 3, 4, and 5 that, well, I'll just read it here. Yep. In verse 3, 4, and 5, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith, that's number one, you heard it, in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, and because of the hope that's laid up for you in heaven. And then we see down in verse 6, as it also does among you since the day you heard it, the good news, and understood it, the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras. So that's the order. We heard it, we learned it, and we understood it. Yeah. And we broke that down, Jason, which I, I love the way that you break this down to, to make it uh, accessible for the Southeast Missouri mind, including myself. For my mind, yes. Yeah, yeah. I love it. You always say cookies, uh, j- jelly on the bottom shelf. Jelly on the bottom Cookie, shelf. Cookies on the top shelf for yes, mom and dad. Right. Uh, you heard it, information, you learned it, investigation, and you understood it, application. Um we hear a lot of things. Yeah. We, we are in 2021, the day and age of information yes. and misinformation yes. and information where we're like, what? Aliens? Is that really going on? Right. Um, what What are some things that we hear about the Christian life? Like maybe we grow up, like here, let me put it this way. We grew up in Southeast Missouri. We grew up in the Bible Belt um, where, as you hilariously said on Sunday, Poplar Bluff is the home of like Mexican restaurants, car dealerships, and churches. And Dollar Generals. And Dollar Generals. Yes. And Taco, we have three Taco Bells. Yeah, we do. Yeah, Taco Bell. Amen. Taco Bell is not a sponsor of the rest of the sermon. Should be. Uh, (laughs) Amen. I want some of that right now. So we we hear, we have information coming from 
I mean, you maybe even be at the car dealership and you're closing a sale with, with a buddy and you're buying a van for your family and, and you have some language that passes through of like, oh man, thank God, like this is, this is a blessing for us and our family. And then you use this Christian language and you're like, oh, that guy must know about Jesus sure. or have some information. How is information alone in our context, because we're talking about the context of the local church, how is information alone not enough? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think it's because largely we live, you know, in the Bible Belt, and so there is a cultural Christianity, to use a big term, yeah. that I think is prevalent in Butler County and wherever maybe you're listening to this, that isn't necessarily in urban environments yeah. as much, yeah. you know, if you're in Dallas or St. Louis or something like that. Yeah. And I think what that does is, um, A, I think there's a level of blessing and good that comes yeah. with that. There's a cordialness, there's niceness, there's um, a small town, there's a lot of things to be said. But man, when you get sick or something like that in, in a small community, people love, people rally, people yeah. raise funds. It's awesome. But at the same time, there's an assumption that just what you said, you know, because you drop Christianese or yeah. you have the right information, that then there is an assumption that you're a believer, right. that, that you're a converted Christian. And so what we said was, Paul's writing to this church. He's never been there, but yeah. he's heard about them. But he's heard specific things that makes him go, there's authentic conversions there. Yeah. there there's God's doing something there. That goes beyond hearing it. Yes. Yeah. And and we I, I told the story uh, to open the sermon about Charles Wesley, yeah. uh, the famous Wesley brother, John and Charles, founders of Methodism. And Charles one day went to church and came back and wrote in his journal, I received the sacrament today, communion. I received the sacrament today, but not Christ. Yeah. And what he's saying is, is, is I went through the motions. I had all the information, but there's been no transformation yeah. in my life. And so um, I think that's absolutely the most dangerous place to be. Jesus encountered the Pharisees. And I mean, we don't talk about these verses, and, and it's a big deal. And we're a Bible church, yeah. and, and so this is important for us. That's why we have to constantly challenge you know, an assumption. Yeah. But Jesus said to the Pharisees, you know the Scriptures. Right. You search the Scriptures. Yeah. You even search the Scriptures to find life. Yeah. But you don't see that the Scriptures point to me. Right. And man, and repeat, repeatedly we have we have accounts of Jesus when he's talking to the Pharisees, the Bible scholars of the day. Yeah, and he drives this point home: Have you not read? Yep. Have you not read the scriptures? That's a slam. Yeah, and he's not asking, "Do you know your Bible?" He's like, "Do you do you understand it? Yes. Have you understood it and learned it?" And that's that's where we kind of lean into. I use this equation all the time. It's a, it's a complex math equation that will lead us to the speed of light travel for humanity. Yeah. It's information plus application equals transformation. Yes. That information, you heard it, plus application, which is you understood it, yep. is transformation. But yes. I, I love you learned it. The 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 fact that that he writes and, and he says, he's talking about the good news, as it also does among you since the, the day that you heard it and understood it and the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it yeah. from Epaphras. And you equated learning it with, with the investigation yeah. aspect. Yeah. That, that, 
head knowledge is important because we have the, the greatest new commandment from Jesus. We have the, the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and mind, strength. Mind, mind is yes. in there. And that's and that's not just from Jesus. Jesus is actually quoting what the Lord told Moses and the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter yeah. 6. So, or Deuteronomy chapter 4. Um, and he says... It, that our minds are something that that have to be involved in yes. this. That Christianity and and the Bible is an intellectually stimulating and challenging thing that draws us in to ask questions about the mysteries and the good news of Jesus Christ. Yes. So, so if information can't be held alone, that we have to have application. Where where does investigation come along when it comes to because you're a Bible scholar I mean if, if <laughs> seriously if if any if any of you have never been into Pastor Jason's new office before it, we had our offices ca- yeah, catch on we'll fire we'll be back in there someday <clears throat> yeah someday um you have a plethora of of books and and things that you draw from a deep well of old dead guys and and yeah. Bible commentaries and stuff investigation can go one of two ways it can lead to a further head knowledge of information with no application. Um, or it can lead in the other direction and and lead us to a new knowledge of loving Jesus more, yeah. like the whole think rightly, feel deeply. Right. That we, the more we think rightly, the more it fuels our desire to feel deeply about God, which fuels our desire to think more rightly, to investigate. Yeah. How can that be dangerous, and how can that be good? Yeah. Well, I think it's good in the sense that what we always say is there's a ditch on either side of the road. Yeah. It's good in the sense that there is information. You you need to, and and we said this Sunday. You know, um, you heard it. So there's there's infor- something has to be said when yeah. we talk about the proclamation of the gospel and the expanding of God's kingdom. Somebody stands up and says something that there's information, right. um, which means that only social work and just social justice is not enough. Yeah. Right. So we, you know, I kind of made fun of, you know, the saying, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Like I understand the heart behind that. That yeah. was at, that was at the point of the sermon, actually. Right. But that's not right. Yeah. Right. It's not, you gotta say something. So so that in the sense is it's good, is that you need to know, you need to learn. There is information, you need yeah. to learn about God, the old testament, Jewish background, these things. Yeah. Um, it's bad when that's it. Yeah. You know, an ivory tower. Yeah. Um, I'm removed. If I heard a guy say it this way: if your theology and your study of God removes you from relationship with people and a local church, you have a poor theology. Mm. Because Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then that's seen in your love for your neighbor as yourself. And so the investigation comes in and it looks like, okay, I've heard this. There seems to be some things that are true in this. What are the implications of this in my life? If... Jesus is Lord, and if Jesus has been raised from the dead, yeah, then man, that affects the way I handle my money, right, or my time, or that's when investigation comes in. Yeah, is when you start connecting these dots together, and man, yeah. that is a beautiful thing. Yeah, that is what the Colossians, Epaphras, here's Paul from what we understand preaching in Ephesus, goes back and has this conversion experience, goes back to Colossae and goes, guys, I've heard about this news, yeah. this Messiah, and here's what it means, and starts connecting the dots. Yeah. And that's when it's good. Yeah. That's when it's good. That's really good. That's really good. And I think it's important to understand that 
that hearing the gospel, learning from the gospel, and understanding and applying it, those are all good things. But those ultimately aren't exactly what saves us. Right. Yeah. Those ultimately aren't what bring us to salvation in in God and in Christ. That's mm-hmm. Jesus. That's the finished work of the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we may. So even with that, we're like, hey, I hear it. Um, I'm I'm investigating this thing, and it's driving me to to love the Lord and to love my neighbor better. But how? How do I know that this is like actually taking place in my life and my lives around and the lives around me? Yeah. We asked that question as sort of the transition out of the intro into the big idea, um, sort of to lead us in. How do I know that I've heard, learned, and understood the gospel? And we said the big idea was this: if we truly know Jesus, if we truly know the Jesus of the Bible, it will truly show in our lives. Yeah. Will truly show in our lives. And we said unmet uh, I'm sorry, this is uh from last week. And I want to back up to and and say yeah, yeah. there's an element of this, you know, I, I don't want to rush in where angels fear to tread. There's a miraculous thing that happens that we call the new birth. Mm-hmm. So what Charles was saying is that I haven't had the new birth yet. Yeah. And I've heard it described this way. Um you know, take our kids for example. We're we're trying to the best of our ability to raise our children in the way of the Lord. You're doing a good job. And you're doing great, man. And what that looks like is through the illustration is is we gather this firewood, right? So we've got we're we're trying to build, we're trying to create a fire. Yeah. And we've got this wood and and, and we're gathering the wood and we're chopping down trees and we're gathering the wood. But we're not the ones who light the fire we pray and ask the Spirit of God to do that. And the Spirit of God is the one that ignites it. Now, when he ignites it, what determines how bright it will burn is how much wood is there and has it been placed properly. That is a great illustration of the conversion in the Christian life. The information and the investigation is piling the wood there. It's doing our part, but we Beg the spirit. The wind blows where it wishes. We right. don't go to the Seven Eleven get gas. A big gulp and salvation. Right. God saves people. Yeah. Man. The spirit is the one that illuminates this stuff in our hearts. Yeah. And so that we're, we're so dependent upon the spirit of God. And so I don't ever want that to get lost. Yeah, man. You know, I don't want to constantly send ourselves inward. Meaning, you know, the the theological terms extranos is is to look out. Uh, for our salvation, we, you know, we look to Jesus, but there is evidence of it in our lives, and yeah. and then that's where we go in the rest of the passage. Yeah, yeah. If we truly know Jesus, it's going to show in our lives, and we'll see it in these areas. We broke it down in, into four points. Um, the first one was this: that you have faith in Jesus. You have faith in Jesus, and that comes from verse four. Um, uh, and verse three says, "We thank God when we pray for you." And then in verse four, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And and you use a good illustration um, with with car jumper cables about a dying car and using your jumper cable jumper cables. And so the question I have from that is is your car okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I jump started it again this morning, but I've got an appointment this week. I've That's got a good. dead battery in my car. That's so, good. Well, yeah. the the illustration went like this. We're we're hooked we're dead. Uh, we're hooked up to a live source which literally literally makes us alive yes. again. And we said that faith is like those jumper cables. If Ephesians puts it this way, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when you were dead like that battery yep. in your sins, that's not in the, that's my translation, yep. made us alive. You were dead in your sins and you made us alive together with Christ and you've been saved by grace through, through. faith. Through. through faith. And so we said this about faith. 
Faith is an internal conviction that leads to an external action. Sure. Faith is this internal internal uh, knowledge and love that we have that leads to an external action. What we believe determines how we behave. And then we said this, a profession of faith without an expression, without that external action, means no possession of faith. Yeah. There is a danger in professing our faith, but not expressing it. Yep. Um, now... I think it's common, and I think it's prevalent. Um, but both you and I have grown up around churches, and we've seen this, and we've lived it ourselves as well, to profess faith but to not express it. And it has a lot of other outcomes, but I want to talk about the danger of, of professing your faith but not expressing it. Because, again, Paul is writing to the, content, to the in the context of a local church at Colossae. Yeah. It's a rural community. He's never been there. Epaphras is their pastor. And... And he's talking about faith. Mm-hmm. And so in the context of the local church, in the context of Westside, why is it dangerous to profess our faith but have no expression of it? Yeah, and it's interesting. Paul says, since we heard of your faith. like, So that lets me know that's where the definition comes from. Faith is an internal conviction that leads to an external action, that there was some, they were living in such a way that was evident. There was evidence there. And so he says, we heard of your faith. I just thought that grammar that he uses is so interesting. It's dangerous, I think, in a way, because you can fake an expression of faith. I think you can, what we just said, you can speak the right language. Yeah. Amen, brother. Right. You know, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And, you know, and there's this, and what we do is we deceive ourselves yeah. in that sense. And and yeah. I think that expression of faith is seen um, in the way that we love people, man. Yeah. And does does God prescribe in his word a way that my how am I supposed to forgive this relationship or I I've sinned or I've hurt this person. What do I do now? Yeah. What is what is the what where do I go from here? And right. I think it looks like going to God's word, seeing this good news, though sometimes it seems so painful to go, yeah. oh no, that means I've got to get this out in the open or I've got to have this conversation. Yeah. I've got what's at stake for me and just what you mentioned earlier in our conversation before the podcast. There's so much at stake, my identity, all of this, yeah. and then going in light of all of that. Right. I'm going to step out and do what God's word has said. Yeah, man. That's faith. Yeah. That, I mean, and there's an authenticity there in moments like that where yeah. it looks like dying on a cross. Right. I mean, when Jesus says, whoever comes after me must take up his cross, deny himself and follow me. Yeah. Denying this identity, being right or whatever, and yeah. saying, no matter how this goes, I'm believing, trust, I have faith yeah. in God that this will go the way that he's prescribed. Yeah, man. When you were talking just then and, and answering, I, I was reminded of the story, and I had to look it up. I, I remember the story, but I don't remember the chapter and verse. It was Mark chapter 12, um, where where Jesus and his disciples are in the temple, and they're seeing they're, they're seeing all of the Pharisees. Be really, it, It's in the context of giving. Yeah. They're, they're bringing, Pharisees are, are making this loud show. They, they would clang cymbals together, and trumpets would play when they would drop these sums of money into yes. the offering basket or into the plate, and then... And then there's this widow who only has, which the equivalent of like a couple pennies, which Jesus said is all she has, and that she has displayed her great faith yes. in that moment yes. because she gave of all of who she was and what she had left, which I think bounces off this idea of danger. Like I think a lot of times 
we don't we don't know that we're professing faith but not expressing it. Right. Um, we often look through the lens of scripture and we and we see the Pharisees and we're like, oh, those poor Pharisees. Right. They yeah. they didn't get it, man. Right. Like Jesus came to correct them, but but I believe that in God's goodness, He preserved He preserved these words for us to warn us that. I mean, he even tells his disciples, when you pray, don't be like the scribes and the Pharisees who like the the preferred front row seat at church or want to be heard and pray loud and on the street corners and in the marketplaces. Like, there's a danger in that. Absolutely. There's a danger in a profession of faith without an expression. And to bounce off what you said afterwards, Psalm 20 says it like this. Um, some trust in chariots. Yeah. Some trust in horses. And this is kind of referring to Exodus when strength, God saved them. Power. Yeah, to strength and yeah. power. Um, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Yeah. Our faith is in Jesus. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Yeah. And in the Bible reading plan, if you're going through it with us, we've just gone through Exodus. Yeah. And and uh, the the picture that's painted here that David is is referring to is is how God saved the people of Israel from e- from Egypt. That they're actually passing through the waters and. The, the trust that the Egyptians and Pharaoh have in their strength to overtake the Israelites during their escape from Egypt was in their army. It was in their strength and in their power. Yeah. And in the midst of that, the Israelites don't have the trust in the strength. They just had trust in the name of their God. Right. Um, and, and by the way, this is the issue. False professions is the issue that Jesus warned about yeah. at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. That's good. False and professions. All prophets or the apostles, everybody says that, I mean, the wheat from the tear, this is the issue within the church. Yeah. And there is a large portion yeah. of um, Scripture giving to given to correcting this and yeah. doing this. But this is something that Jesus tells us to prepare for. Yeah. You'll know them by their fruit. I mean, all of these right. things. And this is something that if the church isn't... I need to be careful here. If the church isn't graciously handling this. And and what I mean by graciously is I don't mean fear-mongering. I don't mean every Sunday you got a pastor that stands up and says, nobody's saved. Right. How do you know? I'm, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I yeah. mean, we can have the assurance of our salvation. We don't have to live in this fear and trepidation. But there is something that we always see of this idea of a deeper understanding. Yeah. And I think if you look at it this way, Augustine used a great illustration. Uh, he said, take two lovers. Of course, this is Augustine talking about lovers. But he said, um, take two lovers, and there is um, there's one lover who wants to commit adultery yeah. on, on their spouse. Um, but both of them don't. One of them wants to, but both of them don't. And you ask one, the one who wants to commit adultery, why haven't you done that yet? And her response or his response is, well, my spouse might find out. Hmm. I haven't done that because my spouse might find out. Hmm. You ask the other one, why have you been faithful? And him or her responds with, oh, because my spouse might leave. Hmm. If I did that, my spouse might leave. And that's a basis, that that's different, a relationship based on love and a relationship based on fear. Yeah. But but I think if it's still based on love, they're still examining the relationship and going, man, are we healthy? Are things going well here? Yeah. So I think that's why it's important. Yeah, no, that's good. I jotted down in my notes here, because um, in 2 Corinthians 5, it says it's, this is how we live. We walk by faith, yep. not by sight. And I, I think ultimately the, the biggest danger in having a, a profession of faith but no expression, or even a false profession or false profession yep. of faith or a false expression, 
shows that we have faith in something other than God. 100%. And 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 the Bible very clearly lines out that that's an idol. That's yep. idolatry. Everyone has faith. Yeah. So so maybe someone's listening and say, "Hey, I have faith in God." Um but what I'm having faith in God for did not happen. Yeah. Like maybe I'm maybe I'm having faith in God for an outcome of you know, a family member's salvation yeah. or a a a, a financial revival in my family, or those are terrible words to use, but I think you get what or I'm getting. A health at. crisis, yeah, or, yeah, or a health sure, crisis, or any sure. of that. What's what's wrong with that view of faith? Having a view of faith where you know I'm looking for some kind of an outcome that may or may not be a promise from God in the Scriptures, and it doesn't happen. What's wrong with that view of faith, and how can that be corrected? Yeah, there's a heresy, a false teaching in the church, which is surrounded by the prosperity gospel. Yeah, which basically says, you know, two things. A, if you have enough faith, yeah. God will bless you. So it's about the amount of your faith. Yeah. The second thing is, is if you have material blessings, it's evident that you have faith. Yeah. And that's the way that God blesses. And the problem with that is the Bible and yeah. like the apostles who all died homeless with their heads cut off. Right. And so like, you know, would you go to John who's been boiled alive and go, well, you clearly don't have faith. <laughs> um, but that appeals to something in us. Yeah. You know, um, I think the greediness and, and the idolatry that way. Now, yeah. Jesus tells us to ask our Father in heaven like little kids, ask their parents for stuff. Yeah. And he says, I mean, look at this kid. How many of you, if your kid asked you for bread, you would give him a stone? Right. None of you. That's how you need to approach your father asking for these things. Yeah. But the basis of the relationship is not what you're asking for. Yeah. The basis of your relationship right now, to go off the examples that you said, that if you have a health crisis yeah. or if you've got a relationship or something's going on and you are asking God in faith for something, let me reassure you, that is a good thing. Yeah. The question is, is is God still good in your eyes if that doesn't happen? Yeah. Is he still father? Yeah, father. Is the relationship there? Yes. I think that's where the crux of it lies, yes. like, especially with, with Jesus using that illustration of, hey, if, if this kid and asks guess what? for... You can still be mad at your dad. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? It's, I mean, very, it's very clearly uh, spread out in the Psalms for us that... that Ex- expressing your emotions towards God in the moment is is yes. fine. It's appropriate. That's yes. that's a relationship. Now, letting those emotions guide you and control your life right. that's another that's another form of idolatry in and all in and of itself. But yeah. but the ba- I love the basis of that illustration. Jesus says, if you if if this kid asks for bread, which one of you would give him a stone? Well, the gift that is given does not re- define the relationship. It's the relationship that sure. defines it. The father and the son, the yeah. giver, is the one that defines it. And in First John chapter three, we, we've read it a, a couple weeks ago now. Um, children, we are we are sons of God now. Yeah, it's good. Man. So we are. We are children of God, and that's good news. That that's the defining identity for us in Christ is that we are children of God by faith, through by faith, faith, through faith, faith in Jesus, yeah. meaning the life, death, yeah. and resurrection of Jesus yeah. Christ. So that was point number one. Yeah, right. uh, and point number two, we, uh, one of the other evident ways is you have love for one another. You have love for one another. All you need is love. That's right. All together now. All to everybody. Yes. All you need is love. Um, we said love is most clearly seen in sacrifice. Yep. And that uh, we, comes from John 13. Yeah. When Jesus says, you know, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another and everybody yeah. wholeheartedly amens. Yeah. And then everybody's like, yeah, Jesus says that's how the world will know by our love for one another. Right. But 
it's not just, I mean, in this verse, we don't have just a description of love. We have a definition and a demonstration of love yeah. because he says, just as I have loved you. Yeah. Just as I have loved you. Yeah. And from the foot washing to ultimately his death on the cross, yeah. it is most clearly seen. And it's what he says, greater love has no man than this. Yeah. Than a man lay down his life for his friends. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Sacrifice, which we define as giving up something you love for someone you love even more. Yeah, that's actually Augustine. I yeah. completely reworded <laughs> and ripped off. Augustine basically defined our loves as um, what we believe determines how we behave. I just yeah. reworded. Guys, I'm just ripping off these old dead guys, okay? <laughs> but but Augustine said that your love will be seen in what you're willing to lay down. Yeah. And so if you're willing to lay down something that's precious for something more, yeah. that something more is really truly what you love. Yeah. That's why if you were to invert that yeah. with addictions, right. you know, you're willing to lay down your family. Right. For a feeling, yeah. or I mean, man, that's you know that's true, yeah. or, you know, worldwide, that's yeah. true. Well, so let, yeah, Augustine said that. Let's talk about family for a minute because uh, I'll never forget this moment, except for the details about it. I uh, yeah, wedding days. Yeah, um, you and I did a wedding together for the first time. Gosh, like four years ago now, five yeah. years. I don't remember whose wedding it was, <laughs> but I, I remember this moment of of what you said, and you've preached about it since then. Um, you talked about a love. Uh, you talk about love at the altar, um, at a wedding altar. In the first of all, no one, no, you say this all the time. No one's listening to the preacher at a wedding. No, you're um, a prop. At a funeral, you're. Yep, there's yeah, a dead body there. Yeah, people are listening. People are listening. But yep. at, at a wedding, the the husband and if you're listening to this and you're going to be getting married in the next year or so, listen listen to what what your efficient or a pastor Jason, if he's marrying you, listen to what he's saying when you're getting married and take that to heart. Um, just pause for a moment. But yeah, you talk about love in the context of covenant versus contract. Yep. The idea of a covenant versus contract. And we said this week that love is not a feeling, it's a choice. It's a sacrifice. And I'll never forget sitting there and thinking, um, and I think you even mentioned it at this wedding, that that when did, when did God give the the commands to the people of Israel. Yeah. Um, you said this was a big pivotal point for your big life deal. as well. Yeah. It was after he delivered them out of Egypt. It yep. was after he rescued them and after the Exodus. He didn't say, hey, if you get all your stuff together right. right now, then I'll deliver you from Egypt and I'll work powerfully in your life and I'll save you. He saves them because he loves them, because yep. Israel he refers to as his firstborn child. Because of who he is. Yeah, because of who he is, and he loves them and he saves them. And then in the wilderness and on that mountain, he gives them, hey, because I love you and because I saved you, this is how you should live. And so love is not a feeling. It's it's a choice. Yep. So so love love is one of two things that we get it wrong. Like we, we see it portrayed in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but... Uh, I put it into two words this way. Love is generalized. Um, I love Taco Bell. Sure. I love Hobby Lobby. I love Target. Love is romanticized. Yeah. Um, love is generalized. Love is romanticized. Romanticized Hallmark movies, um, Hallmark cards, relationships, The Bachelor, The Bachelor. That's love is a feeling. Yes. 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 So both are dangerous paths. Um, generalization of love and romanticization of love are dangerous. I just want to talk for a minute of, of how we how we as believers, again, in the context of the local church, how do we generalize love? And then we can get into romanticize. Sure. How do we generalize love? Take this idea of sacrificial love and then warp it to generalize it to yeah. blank. How I mean, I'll start that? out and be real controversial. I mean, in the sense that if, <clears throat> if you love everything, you love nothing. 
And what I mean by that is if everything is love, then nothing is love. Right. And so people will say things like, you know, God so loved the world, we're all God's children. Mm. Well, yeah. um, that's not necessarily true. Right. We are all God's creation, yeah. and, and God absolutely loves the world and loves his creation. Um, the same way that I love all of the kids in Westside, or, you know, at Kidside, love those yeah. kids. But there's three kids at Kidside <laughs> that I'm real fond of, <laughs> Roman, Andy, and Piper. Yeah, man. And they're my children. Yeah. And um, I think when we generalize God's love that way, um, I think it it lessens it yeah. in that sense. Now, God's love is on a magnitude and a level that I don't think that we can comprehend. Yeah. And, and I think also for us as Christians, if we generalize love, just kind of what we talked about, without the demonstration, just as I have loved you, man, I think, I think there will be a shallowness yeah. to, to the relationship. I think it'll be a very surfacey level uh, when it's generalized that way. Yeah. Moving on, I think when we romanticize it, yeah. then when conflict or bad feelings happen, we think it's over. We think love is gone. Yeah. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, it is not love that makes the marriage. Yeah. It is the marriage that makes love. Yeah. Like that's the truth. Yeah. Because love before it is a feeling, it is a choice. And the reason why we say this is, is guys, we pull this from the gospel. Yeah. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God made a willful choice to set his affection on you long before you ever loved him. Yeah. He loved us first, yeah. so then we are to love. And so when you romanticize it, love becomes a feeling. Yeah. And when that feeling goes away, then so does the commitment, so does the relationship. Yeah. And all of that's dangerous. Yeah. yeah. I think the romanticization of love, especially in, in 2021, um, I mean, hopeless romantics have been around since Shakespeare um, and beyond. But I think when you romanticize it, the, the danger there. So the generalization is removing value from love. The romanticization is ascribing value to something that, it, another idol. Yeah. Ascribing value with a love that should belong to the Lord. Um, and romanticizing love is so dangerous in the sense that like, so you're saying that you fell out of love with your spouse. Right. And quote unquote, fell into love with someone else. Yeah. Like, man, I want to push real hard back against that because yeah. who's to say that if this is just some lightning bolt that, right. I mean, if, if is there a baby running around in diapers with an arrow shooting people <laughs> who are now supposed, like, really? Like, that's really the thing? Right. And man, I just think what that shows is a lack of commitment, love, um, yeah. the amount of work that it requires in that sense, it being a choice. Yeah. But but where do we get that motive from? How do we work? We're not working for love, we're working from it. Right. That's the difference in a contract and a covenant. Right. You know, a covenant's based on promise, a yeah. choice. I will love you. Yeah. I always say on the wedding day, your vows have nothing to do with today. Right. They're not for today. Right. They're for in sickness. Yeah. Or health, yeah. For richer, for poor, for the day in which you know you guys are fighting and arguing, right? That's when you go back, right? And you say we made a yeah. choice to love each other, and and it's no different. Now we need to bridge the application to the church in Colossae. It's no different in a church family, right? When yeah. You, when you become a covenant member in a local church, what you're saying is, the day that my feelings get hurt, and the day that nobody calls me, 
Yeah. Or and by the way, the church should be working hard for that stuff. We yeah. should, you know, you should be calling. You should be doing. What I'm saying is, conflict will arise. Right. It will arise. Now, yeah. hopefully, not out of um, ill motive or sin. That's devastating. It will happen, but it's right. the church tries its best to avoid that. Right. But when you commit yourself to the local church family, you're saying. My love's not based on performance. Right. It's based on promise, and That's I'm going to stick this thing out. And that, now we're at it. Right. When Jesus says, when the world sees that, yep. that's 100%. when they'll know. That was my next question. I, it, I, I definitely, Alistair Begg said something uh, when he talks about uh, counseling married couples who are having a rough go of it, as yeah. he would say. Um, he was like, do you remember when I married you? I said, for better or for worse? He's like, would you say things are better or worse now? Uh, probably worse. Okay. Well, you you promised to be here right now. Great. No different in the local church. But yep. just like you said, when when we make that sacrifice and say, okay, things are things are the worst they've ever been for me and my family right now. But I am choosing. I promise to be here with my local church. Yeah. Let's transition to this. Paul's writing in the context of the local church, and and we had this question worded intentionally. We said, when is the last time I freely gave up something that I love for someone I love in my church? Yeah. And if our love for one another within the church isn't just the end game, like like we're not supposed to be this isolated community that doesn't affect the outside world. Like right. Our mission as the church is to go into all the world and to preach the good news. Yep. We live life through our own lenses and have a hard time seeing beyond ourselves sometimes, and that's the problem. But just as you said, we're getting into it now with the world. How does our love for one another within the context of the local church affect those outside the church? Yeah. How does that happen? I, I know that we see it in the passage in John 13. He says that the, by this they will know that the love that you have for one another, I'm, by this they will know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. Right. How does that affect somebody outside of the local church, maybe an unbeliever or somebody who, as you say, is peeking over the fence at Christianity. Yeah. How is that different than I I, I brought you a meal and sure. that was it? Like, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm indebted to Tim Keller on this just because I think what the world sees is idolatry. Yeah. And an idol always says, die for me. Mm. But in the gospel, Jesus says, I'm dying for you. Yeah. You don't die for me, I die for you first. There's the basis of the love there. And then when you see that love, then you freely give away your life. Yeah. And so when somebody sees grace, freely given love that way, especially when it's undeserved, that's why I think now in 2021, that's seen in apology, forgiveness. Yeah. That's what the world needs, man. I mean, in a cancel culture mm-hmm. where if you have one mistake, you're done for and all of these things. And some things, by the way, aren't mistakes. Some things need to have justice and I'm yeah. all for that. But what I'm saying is, is the world doesn't know about redemption. I and mean, that's why we love these movies, right? That's why we love yeah. Rocky. That's why mm-hmm. we love redemption storylines because we're asking ourselves, is that really true? Yeah. Can that happen in my marriage? Can that happen with my dad? Can that happen in my family? Yeah. And the answer is through the love that God has not only demonstrated but gives us, the answer is yes. So I think when the world sees that, that's what's so shocking is to receive it, to receive that. It'll change your life. That's really, really good. I remember a story once. um, My wife and I were interns with one other guy uh, at a church in northern Colorado, and and uh, we were asked to connect with some people, um, just talk with them in in the chapel or in the lobby or wherever. And uh, the guy who was interning with us, his name was Sky. And Sky said that he talked to a lady who was in the back row, and he was like, "Hey, why do you why do you come here? Um, why do you come here?" And she said, "I like to I come here because I can sneak in the back and I can sit down 
I can listen and I can leave and not really have to be involved with anybody. And uh, first of all, God's sovereignty that that woman was there, that she was even in the church to hear the good news and the gospel. But that is not the kind of love that Christianity has to offer and the hope that we have in Christ for people to just come in and, and, and be an... And be completely separated from the family. Yeah. Like, like this love that we have for one another is what motivated my buddy Sky to go and ask her, why like why sure. do you come here? It's nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, but the display that we see in that woman's life is just and this has nothing to do with the church, it's not reflected on them at all. I think it's just overall a culture thing. It's that, a culture thing. And, yeah. I, and I think a majority of people would say, Yeah, it's not supposed to be that. It's supposed to be more than that. But I think as leadership and as Christians, if you're if we're listening to this, we've got to own and have a bit of responsibility and yeah. ask ourselves, how am I perpetuating a culture of consumerism like right. that? Yeah. You know, and um, man, I think that's where when it comes to sacrifice and when it comes to those things, that's where the answer is seen, what you're willing to lay down uh, because of what Jesus laid down for you. Yeah, man. It's the gospel motivation. And that gives us hope. Yep. That gives us hope, which was the third point, and we have a hope in heaven. We said that hope is the confident expectation that what God said will happen. Hope is like one of the ways that we see faith in action, right? Yep. Like we asked, what was the way that we see faith in action? Baptism. We got a baptism sign-up sheet in the lobby at Westside. Sign up if you want to get baptized. Uh, that's one way. We said baptism is one way, but hope is actually another. Yeah. Hope is like another way that we see faith expressed. And I mentioned this earlier. Uh, it's heart faith and hands faith. Like heart faith is like a hope and faith is like, uh, I'm sorry, heart faith and hands faith. Hope, hope is kind of delineated between those two. But we see this hope that we have in Colossians that Paul is is commending them for, for the hope that you have. How is this hope different than a hope for the Cardinals winning the World Series <laughs> or to make yeah. millions of sure. dollars in the stock market or that things will work out between a loved one or whatever? How, how yeah. is this hope that we have in Christ different than that? Yeah, I call that hope so. Hope so. That's Yeah, that's <laughs> not, we're not talking about hope so. Yeah. You know, um, hey, do you think, you know, that, that if you were to die today, that you'd spend eternity with Jesus. Boy, I sure hope so. Yeah. Oh my man, the the faith that's been passed on to us is so much more than that. Yeah. This is the confident expectation. Yeah. You know what Hebrew says is we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor. Yeah. You know Hebrews uses the word anchor. Yeah. Um, for the soul, a hope that enters in, and ultimately. That hope has been demonstrated in the empty tomb. Yeah. Right. So Jesus did what he said. Yeah. You know, in three days, you know, the the, the Son of Man will lay down his life, and three days later it will, you know, be resurrected. Yeah. Talking about the temple and destroying and all of this. So our hope is in a confident expectation that what God has said will happen. Yeah. But that's based off of what God has done in the past. Yeah. And going back a little bit to intermingling faith and hope. The you know Romans ten says yep. faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Yep. And so I can always in a counseling session or in a conversation um, gauge the health of someone's hope and faith directly to their exposure to the word of God. Yeah. That if there is no exposure to the word of God of um, hearing, reading, studying. Then that it's like the temperature gauge, right. you know, like um, that that will be a very unhealthy hope in that sense. Yeah, and it's because it's the promises of God. Yeah, God's batting a thousand, so we look back on what He's done. Yeah, and that fuels our hope for for what He will do. And man, just 
the world right now is, is it in the vaccine? Right. Is it in the new administration? And listen, I'm not trying to just speak in direct absolutes. Praise God for that. Like, I'm, I believe in science. Woohoo! <laughs> Amen. I believe Christians can believe in science. You know, like, praise God for the vaccine. Praise yeah. God, you know, that that there is a president. Like, this is great. Yeah. Like, all of these things, man. Um, but if you really think, if you really think that that is going to fill the gap yeah. in your heart and in your mind. Yeah. Brother, it's not. Yeah. It's not, man. If, if we lose hope Oof. when... If we lose hope when... That's called despair. If we have despair, if we lose hope when who we didn't vote for is in office, yeah. when the numbers aren't going up in the bank account, if we lose hope when a health crisis comes along or whatever it may be, that... I believe that's God knocking on the door of your heart and saying, where's your faith? Yeah, and man, hopelessness is a dangerous... I mean, bro, yeah. Yeah. talking about the shelters in place and the mental health and everything that's going on, I think what we are seeing is hopelessness. Yeah. And I love, at Westside Men, um, a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed Cohen, who yeah. had an addiction background. And love you, Cohen. Incredible story. But Cohen said... Um, at his testimony at John 3, he said, I used to be a hopeless dope junkie. <laughs> now I'm a dopeless hope junkie. Yes. And I was like, let's go, bro. <laughs> Spitting bars, man. <laughs> That's but what, great. But what I loved about it is um, people need hope. Yeah, man. And man, I'm reminded of um, Viktor Frankl talking about being in Nazi concentration camps. And he knew uh, people who had lost hope. Yeah. He said, because we saw them smoking their last cigarette. Yeah. They used to save their cigarettes and they would save one cigarette for the day that they were going to be released. Yeah. And that would be the celebration. And when we saw somebody smoking their last cigarette, we knew that they didn't have long, mm. that they would literally, they had given up hope yeah. that, that they just died. Yeah. You know, and man, we as Christians um, were the ones. You yeah, know, who are dealing hope? Yeah, man, dealing hope. That's, That's right. Great. Yeah, and, and you touched on this earlier, and it's in First Peter three. Um, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, yes. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Yes, through the go. resurrection of Jesus Christ, guys. Christ is our living hope. Amen. And that leads us to our last point, which we can kind of wrap up here with: is that you have a trusted source. How do I know that I know? We truly know Jesus. It will show in our lives. It will show by you have faith in Jesus, you have a love for one another, and you have a hope in heaven. And the last one is you have a trusted. Let's source. Let's go. This outline will preach. A trusted source, and for the church in Colossae, and in Paul's context for them, it was Epaphras. Uh, yeah. Epaphras is this church planter in Colossae. He's, he's the one who told Paul about how things were going at the church, and that spurs this introduction to the letter that we've seen in the last few weeks through our Colossians journey. Yeah. We said Christians fight deception. Like, I mean, we've touched on this a little bit already, like being deceived, but putting our hope and our faith in, in different things. But we said that the Christian fights deception by discernment, yeah. fights deception by discernment. And I love magic. Like, Yeah, man, let's I, I, go. I'm, I've... I used to put on magic shows for my grandparents, and um, I still do the coin tricks and some card tricks and stuff when there's someone around me who's never seen it. And I'm like, Let's hey, go, I can impress bro. that person. One of my all-time favorite movies is The Prestige, um, yes. directed by Christopher oh. Nolan. Uh, it's got Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman in it, and it's awesome. Pe and, and what is mentioned in that movie is that people are drawn to what fascinates them, mm -hmm. but what they can't understand. Yeah. Um, 
that and it, the, one of the taglines in the movie is that people don't want to be told the truth; they want to be fooled. Mm. And that's not the kind of discernment that we're talking about no. here. It's not the kind. It's, uh, although it makes for a great movie and makes for a good magic trick, it's not the kind of discernment that we fight deception with, or it's yeah. not the kind of deception that we're talking about. The kind of deception that we're talking about, we've touched on a little bit already. It's it's the false prophets. Yes, it is this this false hope that yeah. we have. It's and, a yeah. Go ahead. To remember, you know, Paul's writing with a background of a context. We're going to get into a lot of it this coming week. Yeah. Because Paul is, when he says Epaphras and shouts him out with words like beloved servant, faithful, and then later on in chapter four, man, he talks about struggling on your behalf. Like, I mean, he commends Epaphras yeah. because there are false teachers that have crept in who have said, no, no, no. There's secret knowledge. There's this really cool mystical thing that you can attain to God, and it's not just this. So Paul, when he says this, is sort of not a sleight of hand, but he's winking at Epaphras saying, yeah. you guys need to listen to this guy. Right. And one of the things that we've said, and I say this all the time, is just because it's in a Christian bookstore doesn't mean it's Christian. Yeah. And that's a big statement. Yeah, man. But always... From the very beginning, the Apostle Paul leaves the church of Ephesus, yeah, and he sets up elders and this structure, and he says, all right, here's the church. It's booming. When I leave, wolves will creep in from among you, yeah, from the inside, yeah, uh, because the greatest way to destroy anything is from the inside out. Yeah. You know, oftentimes an attack from the outside will unify people. Right. But uh divide and conquer. Yeah. And so what Paul is saying is you've heard a correct gospel. Right. And and the reason why is because it comes from Epaphras. But but we talked about this verse in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 where these Christians in Acts heard Paul preach. And then it says they like went home grabbed their Bibles, yeah. and were like, okay, um, he said that because Jesus... And they were studying their Bible after they heard Paul preach. Yeah. To and see man, if it was so. Yes, yeah. discernment. Yeah. And, and I think it's so important this day and age not to just be spoon-fed something. Right. That, that's, that's leading into my last question in terms of deception. Like, again, a local church context for the book of Colossians. What's the biggest deception for the church? Yeah. In 2021. Yeah. I um, think I think the biggest deception of the church in 2021 is what it's always been and what Jesus warned is that you are false converts. Yeah. That that you think that you know. Yeah. But Jesus says, "I will say I never knew you." Yeah. I never knew you. And I think listen, Nobody lies to you more than you do. That's just the facts. And I think self-deception and self-justifying is a very dangerous thing. Yeah. That's why there's guardrails in the scriptures of community. Yeah. Of people going, hey, I'm, you know, I'm seeing this, I'm worried, are you okay? Yeah. And and helping and doing those things. Yeah. And and we fight that through discernment, through, yeah. through the word of God, through the spirit of God, and through the people of God. Yeah, man. Yeah. We don't justify ourselves. Jesus justifies us Amen. in the eyes of God. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us again for the rest of the sermon. Again, some practical tools that you can use as we journey through this. We're going to be in Colossians for a bit, yep. and uh, you can you can pick up the Scripture Journal, the ESV Scripture Journal in the lobby, and the yep. Domino Effect devotional. If we're out of those on the Welcome Center table, you can go to seedbed.com to get yep. that uh, devotional. also want to shout out, I've had a lot of people ask, I think because the women's ministry and men's ministry people yeah. are kind of gearing back up, a lot of people are asking about a Bible. Yeah. Like, hey, what's the best Bible, yeah. all this stuff? Number one, 
I always say the best translation is the one you'll read. Okay. Amen. All right. We're not toting nothing. We're not yeah. KJV 1611 by God, this, that, or that. We're not. <laughs> Listen, man, if you're reading the scriptures, praise be to God. Yeah. Um, there, I, I think the best thing out on the market is the ESV study Bible. Yeah, man. It's a literal word for word translation to the best of our abilities. Yeah. But the helps and resources in yes. that thing, I I, every week in my sermon preparation, use the ESV Study Bible. Spurgeon and the ESV Study Bible. Let's go, man. And so I think if you're studying and journeying with us yeah. in Colossians, you can pick one up on Amazon, yep. um, Cross- all, all Crossway's that good stuff. website, actually, pro tip here, figured this out. If you sign up for, it's a free account on Crossway. If you sign up for that, you can actually get like a 30% off their books and Bibles. Beautiful. So go to Crossway's website and get yourself an ESV Study Bible. Yes. Uh, get that for your wife or your husband for Valentine's Day, yes. guys. Great Valentine's Get it in calfskin. Kill a cow to make that thing. Come (laughs) on, man. Yes. Well, look, if you want more information about us as a church, um, you can go to info at Westside, I'm sorry, westsidepb.org. Send us some questions uh, that we would love to answer. Guys, we've been driving and pushing this for about a month and a half now, and we've we've received, I think, maybe one. No, we've, I'm sorry, we've received zero questions. Correct. Um, yeah, I think so. Zero questions. And and so we want to be able to answer questions uh, that you have about the scriptures and if it's about your life and how it relates to the passage, ask us those questions and we will answer them on the rest Please. of the sermon. Yeah. Please do that. Yeah. So um, we love you guys. I'm going to read my my passage for the end. I actually read a little bit of it earlier from 1 Peter 3, but I'm going to read through verse 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that Mm. perishes through it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you don't now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith and the salvation of your soul. Let's go. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Thanks be to God for his word, guys. Thank you for joining us for the rest of the sermon. And as always, may everything that we say and do be all about Jesus.